Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when we talk about Christ as judge, or we talk about judgment, sometimes makes us feel uncomfortable. The word judgment comes with a negative feeling today. Not just because it's somewhat socially unacceptable to tell someone that they are not right, but more because people associate judgment with being judgmental or considering some people inferior in worth to others. And we see that sometimes. A judgmental person will, will punish another person. They'll make their life miserable. They will mock them or ignore them or harm them just because of their lifestyle or their beliefs their weaknesses, or sometimes even because of their appearance. And we would agree that being judgmental is wrong. It's very wrong. It's something that we don't want to see in our families. We don't want to see it in our churches. We don't want to see that in our schools. Being judgmental fails to recognize that every human being is made in the image of God and is part of God's plan in their own unique ways. Christians don't want to be judgmental. We don't want to label people with the words inferior or superior or maybe unworthy or worthy of our friendship. We remember that Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for being so condemning. He taught his disciples in Luke 6, judge not and you will not be judged, condemn not and you will not be condemned. And if we look at his life, we see that our Lord Jesus, rather than looking down his nose in, in proud judgmental condemnation, our Lord Jesus was kind to the adulterous Samaritan woman, even though he, he knew her lifestyle choices. He revealed the truth to her. He reached out to the sick and the weak, touched lepers. He was kind to the very unpopular tax collectors as he called them to repentance. As we saw a few weeks ago, he washed the feet of his betrayer, even as he warned him about what he was about to do. So when we confess that Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead, we have to be very careful to be clear also in our own minds that our Lord Jesus was not judgmental like the word is often used today. As judge, our Lord Jesus does not make people pay for being different. He does not use human-made categories to assess the value of the people around him. He does not exclude anyone from receiving what they truly want for themselves. But rather, Jesus' judgments serve as a revelation. They, they open the eyes of those who hear. When the Lord judges, everyone nods and says, yes, that is true. And so he shows the world the way things really are. And when we understand what the scriptures teach about God's judgment, we quickly see that all that God says about judgment is not something to be embarrassed about, but it is something to pray for. 
is something to share with the world. I preach to you the gospel that on judgment day, Christ the judge will confirm that he has made everyone who believes in him innocent. We'll see the promise of his judgment and the proclamation of his judgment. Do you pray for God, for Christ to come as judge? It's striking if you look to the Old Testament. How many times the people expressed their desire for the judgment of God? When you look to the prayers of Hannah, 1 Samuel 2, the prayer of Solomon when he dedicated the temple in 1 Kings 8, the psalms of the, the people, we're singing this afternoon Psalm 9, Psalm 7, and Psalm 94. This morning we sang Psalm 98, and since it was on my mind, and as we're singing the psalms, you realize how many psalms are prayers for God to come to judge the earth. Isaiah chapter 33 shows us how it is a blessing that God is the judge. The prophet announces, and I'm reading from Isaiah 33, verses 5 to 6 and 22. I have it written here, the Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. And then listen to the reason for the praise. And he will be the stability of your times, abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. And then Isaiah 33, verse 22, For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. That makes us think carefully about how we look to God as judge, how we look at judgment day. Because we often compare judgment day to a test or an evaluation that we don't know if we'll pass or not. But the believers in the Old Testament were looking at Judgment Day as a day of answers, a day of, of revelation that confirmed their close relationship to God in Jesus Christ. The people of God could rejoice in God's judgment because it was always in accordance with the way that he made the world. God wasn't using the human categories that we use to, to distinguish people. But his judgments put things back into the right place. They served to teach the world how to love him as creator and how to love their neighbor as themselves in accordance with the Ten Commandments. And so no one needed to be surprised about his judgments. They don't have, we don't have to wonder about what, what is God going to say on, on the day of judgment because he has already clearly revealed which path leads to life and peace and which path leads to suffering and misery. Moses and his father-in-law, Jethro, explained that when earthly judges were reflecting God's judgment here on the earth, they were warning God's people with the statutes and the laws, and they were making the people know in which way they must walk and what they must do. It was liberating. It was revelation. You can read about that in Exodus 18. So when God's people talk about his justice and his righteous law, it, it brings a smile to our lips. 
It, it's, a, it's something to rejoice in. Look at Psalm 1 and Psalm 19, 119. Because through his judgments, God is restoring life to the earth. God judges his people in the context of his mercy and his love. He is always faithful to his covenant promises. Like a father who is able to judge his own children with more wisdom and understanding than a, than a stranger judge might be able to do, so also the judge of, of all the earth as our covenant God and Father. He takes into account the con contrite hearts of his people. He take, in the Old Testament, he took into account the sacrifices they were offering up to atone for their sins. That was, that was part of his judgment. And then we see he does not judge the world by what they have done, but what, by what they think about what they have done. If they're saddened by their sins, he is a judge who, who takes that into account. So God does not condemn his people for the sins that they hate and that they are fighting against. He's a judge who looks at the heart and, and he observes, does this person want to live in God's kingdom? Does he want to submit to God as Lord and King? The judge asks the question, do they, do they show that they hate their sins of rebellion and that they are seeking the forgiveness of sins because they really want to walk with God and their neighbor? And then we see how the judgment works. People who do not want to serve God, who choose to rather harm their neighbor by breaking God's laws, they will be treated as the enemies of the kingdom of God that they are. But not without knowing the truth, for the truth is revealed. And anyone who wants to serve the Lord will have what they want. They will be able to do so. God's grace is sufficient to cover over many sins of weakness. And so David, you remember when he committed the sin of the census at the end of 2 Samuel 24, the end of 2 Samuel chapter 24, he had to decide between judgment of men or the judgment of God. You remember what he said? He said it was, it was better to fall into the hands of God than the hands of men because there was hope for mercy in his Father's hands. God's people long for God's justice like children in a chaotic, unpredictable, volatile home might long for the restoration of order and meaning and explanation through the loving instruction of their parents. Because God's judgments really protect his weak and faltering children. God is able to see what is in our hearts. He truly understands what we need. And he diligently protects those who, who want to walk with him so that they can. And the Lord is not fooled by appearances. He is not swayed by bribes or partiality to the strong or the poor. Many passages explain how God is not, doesn't show this partiality. In God's kingdom, 
There are no loopholes that allow the wicked and the oppressive to, to sneak in, to, to still continue to hurt the weak and the humble. And God announces this already today. He announces this, that he is a God who knows all things so that the wicked have time to repent and so that believers can know that he hears our prayers and he will bring the conduct of the guilty upon their own heads and he will vindicate the righteous by rewarding them according to their righteousness. That's what Solomon prayed for way in the Old Testament already when the temple was being dedicated. And so it's a comfort to know that God is our judge. It's a guarantee for you as believers that, that any suffering or any oppression that you are, are enduring because of your faith, you can know that that will not last forever. The hatred will end. And the Heavenly Father will receive into his fellowship all his children who eagerly desire to walk with him. And then it's no wonder that the, the people of the Old Testament, they were looking forward to the Messiah that Isaiah announced in Isaiah 11 that we read together. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips. He shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. And we see the Messiah's work stands at the center of the proclamation of God's justice. When we learn in John 5, verse 22, I I believe it was displayed on the wall here as you were walking in today, John 5, verse 22, that God has given all judgment to the very same person who before had submitted himself to the judgment of God for our sakes. Then we see why we can preach about judgment day without any embarrassment. In fact, when we see who the judge is, we, we become eager to proclaim the gospel. Because Jesus as judge is the mediator who came to earth for the very purpose of making us innocent. Think about that. Imagine, imagine that. Walking into the courtroom and seeing the person who paid for your sins still showing the signs that he had been slain. Now being the judge to decide whether you have paid for your sins or not. After paying for you, he will decide if you paid or not. That's what it's like to have your mediator as your judge. When he comes to judge you, he is really judging the quality of his own work on your behalf. He's, he's looking at his sin, did I do a complete job? Did I do my work fully? And if he were to decide that something prevented you as a believer from being received into his father's arms, he would be condemning his own work as our substitute. Having our mediator and savior as judge is like having an instructor 
a teacher who, who fills in all the answers on a test for us before he calls us forward to hand it in to him so that we might pass on to the next level. After fulfilling all righteousness for you, Jesus Christ is the judge who will decide if you are righteous or not. Christ judges us in the context of the promises of God, the grace in the covenant. And he counts Christ's payment as our payment. He counts Christ's righteousness, the righteousness of the judge, as our righteousness. The love of the judge, he counts as our love. Anyone who believes that the Lord Jesus Christ died for them, anyone who joins to this body, the church, you may know without a doubt that God has removed the curse from you. You may know without a doubt that Christ, the head of which you are the body, he will take you up into heavenly joy and glory. That's what we confess in Lord's Day 19. And it's not a difficult decision for the judge since Christ, the head, is worthy and already in heaven, his body, the church, is also worthy. In his judgment, he simply confirms to the universe that he has made his people innocent. And then in Acts 10, Peter explains that Jesus Christ commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. It's gospel proclamation. And then Peter continues to him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins through his name. Rather than be embarrassed by the gospel that Christ Jesus is judge, we can go out and joyfully announce that Christ Jesus is the judge. We can announce that not only will God's judgment bring an end to the confusion, to the hatred, to the isolation that we find under the curse, but we can also announce that anyone who believes in Jesus Christ can have a share in his eternal kingdom of perfection, of love, of fellowship. And then we understand why when Peter or when Paul is talking about preaching in 2 Timothy 4, he puts that preaching in light of the gospel that Jesus Christ is judge and, and he shows how urgent it is for us as God's people to, to preach that Christ is the judge, that judgment day is coming. It's something that, that we can share with those around us, something we can proclaim. You see, we know that there is a way to innocence forever through Christ Jesus' atoning work. We know that outside of him, there is no way to eternal life with the Father in heaven. And now it is time to, to share this gospel of Jesus Christ as judge, knowing that God uses your announcing of the way, Jesus Christ, he uses your announcing 
to judge the peoples of the earth. You see, there's a very close reaction, uh, connection between a person's reaction to the gospel preaching today and the verdict pronounced on Judgment Day. So we go out announcing the truth. And behind that announcement is the question, do you receive the work of Christ Jesus as your own? Submit to him and enter the kingdom on his merits? Do you recognize his work as your own? Or do you turn away from Christ? Do you turn away from the judge who has given his life for you? Separate yourselves from the, the sacraments, from the proclamation, from the communion of saints, and remain under the condemnation of God. And we start with ourselves. We start with ourselves because even among the covenant people of God, there are people who fail to allow the gospel message of Christ's judgment. They, they, they fail to allow it to penetrate their hearts and their lives. You see this also in the Old Testament. You see it in the New Testament, the warnings. It's so easy to go through the motions of being religious. And so the Lord reminds us that all our outward piety will help us nothing if we don't, first of all, love Jesus Christ with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our mind. God is not fooled by those who superficially go through the motions of religion. As the people of God did in the time of Amos, they gathered together, they played their psalms, they offered their sacrifices, but they did not love the Lord. And he warns them, as he warns us, that unless we repent, the day of judgment will be just as bad for them as it will be for those who are more obvious in the rebellion against the Lord. He does it again very clearly in Hebrews 6. You can maybe read that at, at home. He warns about those who crucify the Son of God all over again. They forget the gospel that Christ is judge. And so James writes in chapter 5, verses 8 to 10, he says, he announces the coming of the Lord is at hand. Live with that, that knowledge that the, the Lord is coming. James 5, verse 10, he says it even stronger. He says the judge is standing at the door. So God's people might not make light of the need to establish their hearts, to refrain from grumbling, to be patient in their suffering. Our Lord Jesus also pointed to that in Matthew 25, the parable about the sheep and the goats. And he was urging God's people to love one another in very practical ways today. You see, brothers and sisters, we can know the verdict of the judge on Judgment Day. We can know what it will be by looking at the way we live our lives today. Are we living in that fellowship with the mediator, Jesus Christ, and allowing his spirit to work through us as we seek to show love, forgiveness to one another? And those who believe in God, those who are fighting against their sins and hating them, those who love Jesus Christ, who, who are walking in the Holy Spirit, we can know 
that we will be able to, to continue to live in this fellowship with God. For on Judgment Day, Jesus Christ will stand there as our judge, our savior, our mediator, and he will simply confirm our innocence in him before the Father on Judgment Day. The gospel of Christ as God's appointed judge on the last day, it's a very gracious message that Christians are eager to share with everyone around them while warning about the dangers of persisting in rebellion against God, we can also point the way out of condemnation in Christ Jesus. So what does the Holy Spirit lead Christians to do? How does he lead you when you, when you meet someone who is ignorant of the Christian faith? Or maybe somebody who is confused by their identity? Or maybe trapped in their addictions or, or hostile to the people of God. Remember, we, we do not want to be judgmental. It's wrong. So what do we say to those who are standing under the curse and the wrath of God, often without even realizing the danger they are in? Well, think about your role in their life. Ultimately, no one will be condemned on the basis of a word or a judgment of a person. And so rather than, than waste our time and, and, and actually even uh, ostracize those who are living in this darkness by categorizing or condemning or ridiculing people around us who are made in God's image to glorify him, the Spirit urges us in his word. He, he announces Christ as judge so that we might share that gospel. Christ did not come to condemn sinners. He came to save us from the coming wrath. How many times does Paul say it in the New Testament? It's in Romans. He warns us, you are weak. You are sinful in yourselves. Don't be haughty. Don't be judgmental of others. Leave that judgment to God. And in the meantime, announce Christ as judge, the grace of God, the one who takes away the fear on judgment day. And this is what we want to share with the world. It's an easy message to share. It's good news. It's an invitation. It's, it's a calling to see the grace of God. And the good news we proclaim to the world is that anyone who wants to live in fellowship with the creator of heaven and earth, who wants to live in harmony with his or her neighbor, they have the opportunity to do this in Christ. Anyone, because there's no partiality with God. And when we preach this message, we will see that all God's chosen ones will come and they will join us in that divine courtroom to stand before our judge and see our Savior there. We will be confident because we know what he will say about us because he bought us with his blood. We will be unafraid. Yes, we will even be eager to, to, to hear that verdict 
from his mouth, that verdict that vindicates us before men and, and carries us into heavenly joy and glory. Sometimes it's hard to even believe it today, but we will hear that voice declaring our innocence in him. And for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, everyone who has heard the word of God, Judgment Day will have no surprises. In Christ, we already have been brought in to the city of the living God, to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. I'm, I'm quoting here from Hebrews 12. We have already been brought in to God, the judge of all, to the spirit of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. When we, when we together, with all men and women, children, when we are called before the Lord who is ready to judge the living and the dead, our Savior will just confirm what we already know, the gospel that we have believed all our lives, the gospel that we are celebrating this afternoon. He will tell us that he has made us innocent, that his work was perfect, that he has made it possible for us to have our heart's desire to walk with the Lord and our neighbor in peace and in fellowship forever. This is the day that God's people in the Old Testament were longing for. This, the day the saints in heaven, Revelation 6, that, that they are crying out for. The day that we as God's people pray for. This is the day we prepare for as we lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. As we answer those false accusations against those whom Christ bought with his own blood. As we cling to Jesus our Savior, our Mediator, and our Judge. And then we sing, we'll sing it later, hymn 70. Gracious Savior, own me in that day as thine. Amen.